The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and participants and do not necessarily represent those of iHeartMedia, Tenderfoot TV, or their employees. This series contains discussions of violence and sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Previously on Algorithm, police in Hammond, Indiana, investigated Africa Hardy's murder. What time do you think you got the hotel? 2, 2.30. Police learned Africa had last spoken with her friend Shamika at 5.13. Africa told her a client had just arrived at her motel room. What number did he call her from? I made sure I remember this number. Uh, 312-515. Police worked through the night and used cell phone records and surveillance footage to track down the vehicle the suspect had driven. They learned that the Jeep and cell phone were both registered to a woman named Regina Beard. Two officers drove out to her home in Gary, Indiana. And in front of the house was the blue Jeep they were looking for. From iHeartRadio and Tenderfoot TV, this is Algorithm. I'm Ben Kiebrick. The lead detective on the case, Sean Ford, and his supervisor, Captain Zeke Hinojosa, also traveled out to the suspect's home. Together, the officers went up to the house and knocked on the door. A young woman answered. They told her that they had a warrant to search the home, and she let them in. Inside, Hinojosa saw a bald man in his mid-40s that resembled the man that they'd seen on the motel's surveillance footage, and they saw a puffy jacket hanging on a chair in the kitchen, similar to the one the suspect had been wearing. Hinojosa instructed the bald man to come into the living room, but the man stood his ground. Again, Hinojosa demanded that the man surrender himself to police, and again, the man didn't comply. Two officers rushed him, threw him to the ground, and handcuffed him. Police then secured the building. Detective Ford brought the young woman who'd answered the door into a side room. He asked her if anyone had been driving the blue Jeep. She said yes, the man they handcuffed had driven it. He was her uncle, Darren Vaughn, and he'd been looking after her while her mother was on vacation. Detective Ford returned to the kitchen and helped the suspect, Darren Vaughn, up from the ground. Ford asked Vaughn if he knew why they were there. 
Vaughn told them that he did know and said that he'd messed up by leaving Gary. Vaughn said he was surprised by how quickly police had located him. He said that Gary police don't work on weekends. Detective Ford noticed a button was missing from Vaughn's shirt, and he remembered that they'd found a button in the motel room where Africa had been killed. When they further searched the house, they found Africa Hardy's missing cell phone on top of a cabinet in the kitchen. Beside it was an extension cord with its ends cut off. Police informed Vaughn that he was under arrest and they put him in the back of a squad car. According to a police report, Vaughn told the officers in the car to bring a prosecutor down to the station. He said that the district attorney would want to hear what he had to say. At the station, he asked the booking officers for toilet paper and started to cry. He said that he was tired and just wanted to get this all over and done with. At 8.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 18th, Detective Ford and Captain Hinojosa brought Vaughn into a small room. It was the exact same room that Shamika had sat in the night before. You want some coffee? Uh, and what you're about to hear has never before been made public. Did you do the two things I asked you to do? The... That's Vaughn there, asking if police had done the two things that he asked them to do. It's a strange interview. Vaughn is trying to cut himself some kind of a deal. And the detectives want him to talk, but they also need to follow procedure. And we're not going to pressure you. Everything today is kind of your own free will even right here, all right? That's Detective Sean Ford. Like I said before, if you understand each of these, I want you to put your initials next to them because it shows we went over the form together. He has Vaughn read through his Miranda rights. Is there anything that you need to explain? No. Okay. And that's Captain Hinojosa. You got me all nervous. I feel like I'm being evaluated today with my boss in the room here. I don't like to try to play like I'm a rocket scientist or I'm trying to play some cat and mouse game or something like that. Right. It seems like you come here trying to tell us something anyway. Right. I, I, I knew y'all would come. Because I made mistakes on purpose. Okay. What, in your own words, what would you say has brought you here today inside of this room with us? Why do you think you were arrested? I am a family. I'm going to say a murder. Okay, I'm going to say a murder. A murder of who? Uh, I can't really give her name because I don't know her name. Okay. I, that occurred where? In Hamilton. I don't really know y'all roads. Okay. I'm say at a motel. At a motel. Which motel? Which, which a motel? famous one? Six. Motel 6. Right. Remember the room number? This is not the topic for cutting a deal. I don't want to cut, right? Okay. Well, here's, here's what are your concerns? What are you looking for? Because hey, here's our thing. We can't necessarily play, right. like, make a deal, and right. even legally, as you read in here, we can't promise you anything. Right. We That's can't. why I say I'm focused. So, yeah. here well, let me, let me just, what are you trying to get out of this? I'm out and put a death before my next birthday. The deal that Vaughn wants is to be put to death before his next birthday.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I want to put death before my next birthday. Okay, that that would almost be impossible. No, y'all got death row. You're right. Multiple murders, I give you. I can get death row. But listen, real quick here. They don't let it play out that quick, though. Wait, wait. I know this for a fact because I have a partner that did it. If I waive all my rights and I give you three or four murders, I had a right to be put to death. And I'm willing to give you the bodies and the locations. So I think that would give me my death row. Let me ask you this. Are they all locally in Indiana? Yeah, I can't give you anything. I I could give you something out of Indiana, but if I did that, then I would have a... Uh, then in that case, we don't need a better deal with you. You can just talk about it. No, I have to cut a deal because I have to make sure I get death row thing. Bond tells them that he doesn't want to go through a trial and the whole legal process. Instead, he wants to sign a plea bargain guaranteeing him the death penalty in exchange for confessing to other murders. 
Y'all got one. I'm trying to get y'all with the rest. But that's what I'm saying. The prosecutor doesn't really look into things until we complete our investigation. Okay. I'm trying to skip the investigation and give y'all the body. So for the one we have, I will tweet it at murder. So y'all don't even have to do DNA all that clock. Well, let's let's not. If we can do this one and get through it and have the conversation and match it up with the evidence we already have, and we we can establish your credibility okay. that you're legit. Because say you could be crazy. You could be sitting here and talking some mad okay, crazy stuff. One five eight Motel Six, room one five eight. Does that solve that for you? Room 158 was the motel room where Africa's body was found, information that Vaughn would have no reason to know unless he was involved in the murder. That is correct. Now, do you believe that you're here to be questioned about it, or are you saying that you did it? I'm here to be questioned about it. Y'all not sure, that's why y'all are investigating. Well, of course. That's part of completing an investigation. This is fairly recent, right? right? This is... Friday. So going back to the question, and you know, you're saying that you know you're not wanting to contest the issue. Right. But so, I just want to make sure I get what I want. You okay. know what I'm saying? I understand what I'm you're saying. I'm giving you what you want because I gave you room one five eight. And the only reason I would know that is if I knew it. And I can even tell you where you found the body. Where did we find the body? In the shower. With the water running. What happened? That part I'm not really sure about. I know where I put it after, but during my actual rage, I really don't remember a lot of stuff. So you get into an act of I've always had. Always? Always. Okay. Uh, That's how I found it. How how did you get connected with this person in this room? How did you get connected? She had an ad. We're at back page. Okay. Do you remember anything about that ad specifically? She's got a picture in it where she has curly hair that's long. That's a picture that caught my eye. Vaughn said that in the ad, Africa went by the name Octavia, which lined up with what Shamika had told police. As a warning, this next section gets very graphic, but I think it's important to acknowledge the reality of Vaughn's crimes. I was supposed to come see her earlier. I was babysitting. She called me back. What the heck, then I went. Was she by herself in the room? Yes. Did you have any drinks or anything like that in there? No, I don't drink. I try not to drink. Makes it worse. Did you pay her the money right away as soon as you walked in? Yeah. I thought I had to go to the bathroom, went to the bathroom. She got undressed from the bottom down. I got undressed. We got on the bed. We have the sex. She said I was too rough. Sexually, I'm like really rough, and I didn't really give her a time to get adjusted. Right, get adjusted right. And then she started like crying. She started crying. Right. She let me keep going for a minute. I guess when I didn't slow down, and she got mad and hit me, and she was trying to say she didn't mean to hit me, but it was too late. I started choking her. And after that. It's anybody's ball game. What were you choking her with? At first, with my hand. Was this out of anger, or were you trying to control her? Or no, I was angry because she struck me. As you're choking her, did she continue to struggle? Yes. Okay. 
Did she lose consciousness? Have you ever seen a person choke? Yeah. Where they're they're not unconscious, but they're not. I don't know how to say it. They're defenseless. Yeah, they're defenseless. Yeah, that'd be the best words to say. Defenseless. Like I told you, fuzzy. I know I hit her. And I threw off the bed. I remember that. I remember swinging. I don't know how many times I hit. I know I hit her. Close fist? I don't know. I don't know if I karate chopped her. Cause I remember my hand going up, coming down. I remember her knee. And then I, I just know I, I choked her. I, I, I couldn't even say, I just choked her. You ever get so mad, you're like, ah, and then when you realize what you did, I'm like, I made like a big mistake. I thought she was dead when she hit the floor, but she wasn't dead. That's what made me reach for the cord. I was like, I gotta finish this. When I first heard this part of the confession, my heart dropped. Vaughn says that when Africa hit him, he went into a blind rage and started choking her. When he calmed down and gained awareness about what had happened, Vaughn thought that he had killed Africa and panicked. But he hadn't actually killed her. She started stirring. And now, outside of his rage, Vaughn made the conscious decision to strangle her to death. I already almost killed her. I was like, I might as well finish it. And I was like, it's kind of like I panicked. That wasn't the purpose of me going there. Okay, that wasn't the purpose, but in your mind, you had almost killed her. Right. And I was like, and you could you could have stopped, right? I could, yeah, I could. But you didn't. I did. If you would have stopped and just left, what did you feel would have happened? I went back to prison. I said I had to kill her for gloves on. It's almost like instinct. I always reach for a nearest weapon, whether it's a cord, towel, sheet. Knife. I always reach for the nearest weapon. In this particular incident? Uh, extension cord. Your extension cord? Right. Where was that at? In my coat. How yeah. come you carry an extension cord? So I'm not allowed to carry a gun anymore. The detectives are confused about this. If he wasn't intending to kill Africa, why did he bring gloves and a weapon with him to the motel? His response was that he always carries these things with him. The weapon, I can imagine maybe, for self-defense. The gloves, though? Just in case he needs to dispose of a body? If I snap, I always carry a pair of gloves. What kind of gloves? I don't know. It could have been the rubber ones. It could have been the white ones. I switch gloves. I switch clothes. I switch so much stuff. I've been doing this for years. Now, what's the purpose of wearing the gloves? Make sure I don't leave no fingerprints. I can't decide if I believe him that Africa's murder wasn't premeditated or if he's just lying for some reason, trying to justify the murder through twisted logic. Obviously, he's not trying to escape a conviction. He willingly admits he's guilty of murdering her, but maybe this is the way that he tries to justify the murder to himself? We're faced with a problem here, one that we're often faced with in cases like this. Only Vaughn knows many of the details of what he did, and only he knows why he did it. 
But when someone cares so little about others that they're willing to murder a stranger in cold blood, I don't think they're going to lose any sleep about lying. How did you get her to the bathroom? I drug her, and I threw her in the shower. I remember that part, that's after all the fighting stuff. And what was your reason for doing that? If I had to always move my victims. Do you always put the victims in the same place? No. Never. Well, wait. Are you... See, Illinois, I can't bring the Illinois in because that brings another jurisdiction. Yeah, eventually you'll be able to, though. No, I don't want to. You don't want to? Right, because I want my death row. I can't have more than one state fighting. That's my only okay, give y'all. that would prolong right. the process. Right, so I only can give y'all the stuff that's recent. How many people are you responsible for killing? Probably this, this lifetime, I couldn't even tell you. In Indiana? That's what I'm saying, I couldn't even tell you. I can tell you the ones I want to give you. I can't tell you the ones that would incriminate somebody else. Okay. You know what I'm saying? The ones that you want to give us, uh, are they all males or females? The ones I'm going to give you are females. All the females. Ma- the, one, the males I can't give you because I was paid to do them. Okay. And that would put somebody else in. What's your concern about that? I don't mind me going, but we've always had the code. We don't ever put nobody else in. The uh, females, how are these females killed? All strangulated. Well, I'm trying to think. Cause I got my knife, I got my gun. I never killed a female with a gun. No, not in Indiana. Never killed a female with a gun? In Indiana. Okay. I don't think even knife one in Indiana. I try not to do too many crimes in Indiana. They were all strangled. The ones I'm going to give you all the strangle. That's the best way I can say it. Okay. Are there any other victims in Hammond? In Hammond? Mm-hmm. Not in the last year. When was the other victim from Hammond? In so many years. I haven't done a crime in Hammond in so many years. I couldn't even remember. There was a there was a girl a long time ago whose body was on the railroad tracks. Most of the victims that Hargrove's algorithm had identified were found in the city of Gary. But one victim, Yvonne Wallace, was actually found in Hammond, strangled near some train tracks in the summer of 96, 18 years earlier. There's one girl in Hammond. There's one girl in Hammond. I don't know. I didn't clean the body up, so I wouldn't know where she's at. Like I said, I've been doing this for years. That's why I'm trying to get you one that's close, because I can remember. What about any that the bodies have never been found? That's what I'm trying to give you now. I'm trying to give you, let's see, one, two, three, four. Can we can we start with, with this real quick? Like, obviously this incident happened on Friday. What is freshest in your mind from there? Like the, the one murder just previous to the Motel 6? I can't give you one before the Motel 6. I'll stay. Here, Darren Vaughn says he can't give detectives information about the murder he committed just before Africa Hardy because it took place out of state and he doesn't want to involve other jurisdictions. I want to point this out because it'll soon change his story. We can't always know when Vaughn is telling the truth, but we can catch him in lies when he contradicts himself 
we can learn something important from these lies about the extent and the nature of his crimes. I can't give you one before the Motel 6 left y'all stay. The one before that was somebody I knew. She owed me money, didn't pay me. Well, obviously that would be an easy one to start with if you know her. Well, I don't know her, nor like I know her from the streets. Her nickname on the streets was Casper. She was a prostitute. She's a Caucasian, but this side, real big, heavy set. Yeah, yeah, heavy set. Some people say BBW. She's 28 to 32. I'm not going to put her no older than okay. that. If she is, I wouldn't think so. She's a blonde there. Yes. I don't know if it's blonde or brown. I, I'm colorblind, so. Where'd you kill her at? Oh, see, if I tell you that, y'all go to the house. Uh, I killed her in Gary. All these in Gary, I'm giving you. So, Casper's body's inside of a, an abandoned house? Yes, most of these are inside of Vegas. And, and, and I believe you. That, that you kind of want to put an end to this. But would you be willing to to take us and, I mean, almost, I mean, I don't know what you call it, like a field trip and just show us your work products? I don't really call it work. Sure. I call these my mistakes because they didn't really, they did yeah. something that triggered my anger while I was already angered, but they really, like Casper, Casper was my friend. I didn't mean to kill her. When are we going to recover her body? I would do Cass for the party because she was my friend. She was a good person. We could take that ride. What we're probably gonna do is we'll probably put you in some leg shackles because this is not something we do every day. You take us to Casper's body, right, and I'll give that's you the other gonna, five. That's gonna catch the prosecutors. Right, I'll give you the other five as long as he promised me they're gonna give me death row. All right, go ahead and stand up. We're gonna put the handcuffs back on you. All right. a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with the 7 every weekday. So, follow the 7 right now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. If it isn't already clear at this point, this isn't a whodunit where we're trying to figure out who killed Africa Hardy. Darren Vaughn killed Africa. Instead, this is a story exploring how the police and Gary ignored the signs that there was a killer on the loose targeting women in the area. They ignored Hargrove's warnings when he sent them the letter about the algorithm, and they ignored other, more obvious clues as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself. On October 18th at 11 p.m., Vaughn told police he'd take them to one of the recent murders he'd committed in Indiana. He told them he couldn't take them to the most recent murder before Africa, whereas he knew her, Octavia, because he said that murder took place out of state and he didn't want to involve other jurisdictions. Instead, he offered to take them to the body of a woman that he knew as Casper. But before they were even out the door of the interrogation room, Vaughn changed his mind. I don't know if they found her or not. I'm not sure if Casper still where she's supposed to. I'll take you to the body before I take you. I know it's there because it's recent. Now Vaughn was saying that he could take them to the murder directly before Africa. And he was saying that it wasn't out of state. In fact, the murder had occurred in northwest Indiana, and the body was in Gary. Investigators didn't call him out about the discrepancy. I'm not sure why, but I wonder if that's because they weren't sure if any of what he was saying was true. But he'd promised them a body, and they wanted to investigate. With Vaughn in handcuffs that linked to the front of his belt and shackles around his feet, Ford walked him out to a squad car where they met Officer Kelly Mickey. What made you decide you're done? I was tired. She wrote in a police report that as she talked to Vaughn, she tried to mirror his emotions, a technique cops use to keep suspects talking. But she struggled to mirror him because he was so relaxed and casual while he described horrific events and scenes. How long does it take? Is it always the same? What do you mean, to kill a person? Yeah. It doesn't take a lot. It depends on what you kill them with. Well, like, your, your, your thing seems to be strangulation. No, no my, my thing now is strangulation because I'm not supposed to be with a gun. So do they ever plead for their life? Do they plead? Like, do they beg you? Yes, I don't be like, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to do this. Oh, they're trying to just get away, huh? Right. Now, when you're actually strangling them, do are, they... Are they... You're not going to be able to talk when I'm strangling No, but I mean, do they... Like, is any... I don't know. I don't even know what I want to ask you. You know, you sure how you want to ask No, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how... I mean... There are... I've never killed a human. I mean, I've never killed... You're a cop. Kill... You've never shot nobody? No. Uh-huh. I've been blessed. I've been blessed that way. I've how never... long have you been on the force? 16 years. So... 
almost shot a couple people, but God's intervened did not let it happen. Did you used to work the streets? Oh, yeah. I just became a detective. Okay, well. Yeah, I worked the streets for 16 years. You've been shot at, then. Mm-hmm. I know you've been shot at. Yeah. Well, I didn't shot at somebody 15 years ago in Hammond. Yeah. And police calls to right. In fact, they almost arrested me, but the officer shook me down. When he was shaking me down, he made the gun fall to the ground, so I just kicked him in the grass while he was searching me. Some cops are stupid, ain't they? It's he like we don't pay it. attention. He couldn't have seen it. Yeah, but they just don't pay attention. I don't know. And it was too dark. I made sure it was dark while I stopped and walked back. Then I walked off and walked back and got the gun and disposed of it. Vaughn told them the body was in an abandoned home but he couldn't give them exact directions to the building because he'd always walked there, taking shortcuts through abandoned lots. Eventually, they made it out to the 400 block of East 43rd Avenue in Gary. It was a thin suburban road, and like many parts of Gary, it's riddled with abandoned homes. Sections of the street shift abruptly. A string of houses will be well-maintained with manicured lawns, only for the next three houses to be boarded up and so overgrown with weeds that you can't even see the sidewalk. The home where Vaughn guided them was completely dark. It looked as if it had been recently abandoned. It was isolated from nearby houses by overgrown shrubs at the edges of the yard. Vaughn told them that the body wasn't inside this home, but in a smaller, more decrepit brick building behind the house. He told them to drive around the corner to a gravel alleyway that ran behind the buildings. Police still weren't sure if Vaughn was telling them the truth or leading them on a wild goose chase. They asked him where exactly they'd find the body. In her police report, Detective Mickey remembered Vaughn's voice taking on a creepy tone. Vaughn told them to enter the back of the building He said that there was a door that went down into a cellar-like basement. He told them to be careful because the basement was pitch black and they need to watch out for large rats or wild dogs. And he told them that somewhere deep back in the basement, they'd find a room where the victim would be buried under a pile of dolls. Mickey remembers telling him, Could you make this sound any scarier? George Diliopoulos was working that night at the coroner's office. He was also called out to the scene. Got to the area. Most of the homes are abandoned. I seen a squad car out there. The house was taped. And, of course, it was abandoned. It was dark. Is that scary? I mean, I guess the idea of, like, going into an abandoned building with a flashlight to like yeah. look for a dead body. You know, I think most people would be terrified. I don't know if you just get used to that. No, it, it, it was scary. No, I, I'm not gonna lie. It was scary because we would only be maybe four of us in the house and we don't know who's in the house or who's in the area and, and if they like police officers or not, you know? We first take pictures of the home and then we take pictures of where we're going I obtained these photos from the Hammond Police Department through my FOIA request. The first few photos show the home from the outside. It's a nondescript brick building with white siding. Then comes a shot of a wood-floored entranceway. 
a sort of walled-in porch with stairs going down into a basement. There's a detail in this photograph that I miss until I go on to the next picture, which is a close-up shot of the corner of the staircase. There's a dark stain there, a liquid trail that's dripping down the stairs. The next picture shows that at the bottom of the stairwell, there was a mound of garbage, bottles, boxes, trash bags. And the photos continue. Past that pile of junk, the basement was still a mess, but at least you could see the floor. Deliopolis and his team continued through what looked like it was once a den into a concrete-floored room that was also strewn with trash. Deliopolis says that the whole building smelled bad, but as they entered this room, he started to smell a familiar odor. There's one thing that you will never forget, that's for sure. Oh, man, I tell you, I can't explain it. It's something rotten, rotten fruit maybe, uh, really bad uh, garbage. It stays on your clothes. If you breathe a little heavy and it goes into your throat, it stays in your throat. If you move your hair with your hand, you'll smell it. From there, they turned the corner to a third, smaller room. This room was much cleaner, but the smell grew more intense. There were some wooden boards and a garden hose on the floor, and in one corner, there was a pile of objects that looked as if it had been deliberately placed. A big, large tractor-trailer tire and a couple of stuffed animals. Big, plush stuffed animals, like the ones that you might win at a carnival. As they approached this pile in the corner, the smell became overwhelming. And through the center of one of the tires, they saw what appeared to be socked feet. Sticking out of the other end of the pile was the dark fuzz of human hair. It was the corpse of a woman. She looked as if she'd been killed recently, and you could tell that she'd been strangled because of a groove running across her neck. A damp wound on her dark skin covered by a line of white maggots. Darren Vaughn wasn't taking them on a wild goose chase. He'd led them straight to a body. The body of a 35-year-old woman named Aneth Jones. And the night was still young. What later became known as the Death March had just begun. Next time on Algorithm. Has there been any indication at all how many victims may be out there? At this point, we are unsure of the number. As of last night, he was continuing to lead police to the bodies of victims. Something I think about sometimes is, was there something I could have done better? Because they weren't even looking. I at least knew that there was a serial killer active in Gary. The adults would leave at 5 o'clock. And at night, they would be left with the counselors who were 20, 21. And they would go down in this hellhole of the basement, and they would have gladiator games, where they would have the kids square off and have to fight each other. If you're not on book, you're not really a member. You're just, man, you a genie. Did you kill somebody specific to, to get blessed in? I mean, I sure they told me to kill. This episode was written and produced by me, Ben Kiebrick. Algorithm is executive produced by Alex Williams, Matt Frederick, and Donald Albright. Production assistance by Eric Quintana. 
Thanks to Christina Dana, Trevor Young, Miranda Hawkins, Josh Thane, and Jamie Albright for their notes on this series. Music is by Makeup and Vanity Set and Blue Dot Sessions. If you like what you're hearing, please follow and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.